Clem Song Sparrow Farm and Nursery grows extraordinary herbaceous perennials, uncommon trees and shrubs, and a selection of luxurious peonies. Song Sparrow Nursery is a proud underwriter of Kendrew's Real Dirt. Songsparrow.com, S-O-N-G-S-P-A-R-R-O-W.com. Underwriting also provided by Plant Skid, Deer and Rabbit Repellent, the first repellent to be listed organic by the Organic Materials Review Institute. Plant Skid is Swedish for plant protection and now comes with a plant protection guarantee. For details, www.plantskid.com. P-L-A-N-T-S-K-Y-D-D. Hello again and welcome. It's Ken Drews and you are listening to Ken Drews Real Dirt, The Garden Show. It's what is supposed to be the dog days of July, and we might be in for some warm weather at last. Not that I'm looking forward to that at all, and they're really the dog days of August, but uh, which has to do with Sirius, and we're not going to talk about Sirius even though it's a dog in the sky. Don't ask me. Well, I'm glad you could join me. Today we're going to take a trip to the New York Botanical Garden in the Bronx, New York, because they're having a special exhibition of edibles, all kinds of edibles, a culinary herb garden, a, a good food garden, seed savers heirloom vegetable garden, special heirloom tomatoes, beginner's vegetable garden, vegetables, and kids. And there's the tropical fruits, roots, and shoots display in the conservatory. I, do, I picture chocolate, teabroma, is the Latin name for chocolate, and vanilla, which is an orchid. I imagine they'll have things like that. But when you think about all the things we eat that are tropical, I mean, tomatoes are tropical plants. We grow them only for the season, and of course, they're killed by frost. So there's going to be lots of things there, lots of plants to see that maybe are surprising, besides coconuts and mangoes and papaya and whoa our guest today is going to be Kristen Schleider she's a curator of the outdoor gardens and herbaceous collections at the garden and uh, as i said the new york botanical garden is in the bronx new york and there are many gardens there there's the giant rose garden there's a native plant garden there's the rock garden which is really best at spring but beautiful all year round and that's a, a huge garden there's also collections of lilacs for that time of year. Daylilies, right now, they have hundreds of daylilies, and you can go with your pad and pencil and write down the names of some that you might want to have in your garden. There's a children's garden. There's a tram. If you can't get around, they can take you around because it's acres and acres and acres, and they do a lot of botanical study and scientific study, and there's a huge herbarium and a library and, of course, a gift shop and cafes to eat outdoors. And uh, a beautiful, the gift shop is beautiful with wonderful plants and pots and books and books and books. And we're really pushing books here, not only because I write them, but because I don't want books to dis disappear. But they have uh, greeting cards, everything botanical, everything with, with plant, uh, plant images, plant-driven ideas. And it's a, it's a great idea garden. I mean, certainly if you go, plan to spend the whole day. And Kristen's going to tell us about the things she works on, the herbaceous perennials, as well as the edible garden exhibitions, which are going on now. I'm speaking with Kristen Schleider, curator of outdoor gardens and herbaceous collections. Hello, Kristen. Hi, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. And you are at the New York Botanical Garden. We've been talking about that. 
And you've had quite a past leading up to <laughs> your curatorial <laughs> position. How long have you been at NYBG? I've only been here for a little over four months. Four months? Yeah. So you dropped right beauty. into the whole thing. Yes, exactly. Started in March and started running right away, and we're just starting to catch our breath a little bit now. Well, I know that you have a degree in industrial and labor relations from Cornell University. How did you get from there to where you are now? Well, foolishly, I did not know how much I adored plants when I was at Cornell, or I would have studied horticulture. Um, after school, I started working in the advertising world in New York City and did advertising for a while, um, left uh, a, or an office job to go to school here at the Botanical Garden to study floral design, decided I didn't love that, went into high-tech marketing, which was wonderful, um, was a marketing manager for the uh, U.S. and Pac Rim for a high-tech firm, Avid Technology. I don't know if you know the video no. editing system. And then got laid off, started working at a nursery, and never looked back. It was the best layoff. I've, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> That's very hopeful. Yeah. Uh, and that was, uh, it wasn't just a nursery. It was the nursery, one of the nurseries in Connecticut. It was Oliver Nursery. It was, and it is just a fabulous place. And one of the best things about Oliver's is that it prides itself on being a teaching nursery, and it certainly did me. Um, everyone there is so very knowledgeable and willing to share everything they know. And, you know, as I'm sure you know, if you love something, you learn it quickly. And, you know, the more you learn, the more you want to learn, and you study and study. And, you know, next thing I knew, I was the garden editor for Martha Stewart uh, Living Television, the old show, and got to learn even more there. And, Got to meet some really wonderful horticulturists around the country and around the world. Um, then worked for a garden designer for a while, and now here I am. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never a dull moment. And there you are for four months. Yeah. Well, I know that right now in July, I think actually the Edible Garden Exhibition runs from, ran, started in June late yeah. June, and is yeah. running through September, middle of September? September uh, 12th and 13th is our closing weekend uh, festival, which is going to be ha have lots of um, chefs in, cooking, and all the gardens are going to be looking, you know how they look at harvest time, just mm. busting. So it should be a gorgeous weekend. Well, in those outdoor displays, there is a culinary herb garden and the home garden center featuring good food garden, seed savers, heirloom vegetable garden, Beginner's Vegetable Garden, Vegetables for Kids. There's so much to see, and since edibles are very popular, I wonder if you can tell us a little bit more about some of the different parts of the exhibition that people can see if they come to the garden now and through the middle of September. Sure. Um, well, we'll start with the Martha Stewart Herb Garden. Mm -hmm. She and her team of gardening experts designed a culinary herb garden for us, and it has just been a delight. It they did a wonderful job not only of choosing herbs that are unusual as well as the typical basil and thyme and rosemary, um, but it's a gorgeous garden. They spent a lot of time contrasting textures and colors, and it, it's just beautiful in every way. Um, then we have the beginner's vegetable garden, which is basically a real primer on, on vegetable gardening, the simplest vegetables to grow, tomatoes and peppers and eggplants, cucumbers and squash. 
and we've planted them using different staking techniques or trellising so that you can get some different ideas. Um, if you really have never gardened vegetables at all before, you can go home and get started. Now, are these in the ground or are they in raised beds or both? They are in raised beds. Um, it's, they're, it's about a 12-inch bed, and we, it's got decent compost mixed into it. And if we could just keep the bunnies off, <laughs> we'd be doing really well. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about how you keep the critters off the garden, because certainly for beginners, that's, maybe that's the first thing you have to do is think about that. It is, and we're very, very lucky here in that we don't have a deer problem, mm. which I know is such a challenge for so many people. But we do have uh, bunnies and chipmunks that like to make up for the deer. So um, we, we do a hot pepper spray and liquid fence, and those work reasonably well. But with all the rain we've been having, we just can't get out there and spray every day. So there's, there's no uh, fence around the garden? There is not currently a physical fence around that garden, but I think there's going to be shortly. It's, nothing else is really doing the job. So we need beans to grow, and I've discovered that bunnies love beans. So if you were saying something to a beginner, you would say start, maybe start with the fence and, the, and then the soil, but uh, what kind of a fence do you think you might have in the future? Um, I think that we have some... Uh, it's about one inch mesh steel coated or steel but plastic coated mm-hmm. fence that that looks you know it doesn't look so bad and we'll put some some nice fence posts in the corner and and along the way and just surround it simply something not so big that a person couldn't easily step over it but about eighteen inches seems to keep the bunnies out and you don't have to bury any of the fence you're not planning that. Well, we aren't planning it because it's a raised bed. Oh, right. Yeah, so we've got, we've got a foot of wood. But if you were doing it just on the ground, yes, you would probably want to go down, um, I don't know, maybe six inches and curve the fence away from the garden so that if someone's trying to dig underneath, they're going <laughs> to come to mesh, not, you know, which then would bend up. Am I explaining that well? Yes, I, I kind of get it. And okay. uh, it's certainly, it's more than a, a, just a barrier. Well, it's a real deterrent because they can't get through it. Exactly. It is a barrier. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm really interested in the Seed Savers Heirloom Vegetable Garden. And can you talk about that a little bit? I sure can. Um, it was designed for us by Rosalind Creasy. And she worked with George DeVault who heads up that wonderful not-for-profit organization. And they worked together to choose vegetables that they thought would perform best in our climate. And that organization is Seed Savers. Seed Savers Exchange, yes. It's Uh a wonderful um, not-for-profit that works to make sure that all the delicious uh, heirloom vegetables don't get lost. So they save seeds. They teach you, actually, will teach you just how to to, uh, save seeds. And they have an exchange, gardener to gardener. It's it's a great organization, um, but, and they chose uh, plants that have been grown in our area for a long time and that they knew would do well for us. Are you going to be harvesting the seeds to actually save? We will, at, yes. At the, end of the, at the end of the season, we will be doing some harvesting. So that's going to be really, really interesting to do. So the Heirloom Tomato Garden is a different garden? No, 
no, it is. It there are heirloom uh, tomatoes in there. There are also, um, you know, beans and peppers. We have the early Jersey Wakefield cabbage that's been grown since 1840 mm. in uh, New Jersey in the environs. The lazy bean housewife uh, first introduced around 1810 because it's so productive. Even a lazy housewife could put on a good <laughs> dinner with without much effort. Um, oh, we have a beautiful pepper. Do you know the pepper fish? No. It's variegated foliage, and the peppers are variegated as well. And it's an African-American heirloom that has um, been around since the 1860s. So wow. there's a lot of wonderful history in the garden. Well, we're going to take a break right now, and when we come back, we're going to continue talking with Kristen Slider, curator of outdoor gardens and herbaceous collections, about some of the other things that she does at NYBG, and also about the Tropical Fruits, Roots, and Shoots show going on at the conservatory. Stay with us. Plant Skid Animal Repellent is a proud underwriter of Kendrew's Real Dirt. Developed for the forestry industry over 20 years ago, no other product has been so extensively tested for long-term efficacy. For details, www.plantskid.com. P-L-A-N-T-S-K-Y-D-D. Clem's Song Sparrow Farm and Nursery grows extraordinary herbaceous perennials, uncommon trees and shrubs, and a selection of luxurious peonies. Song Sparrow Nursery is a proud underwriter of Kendrew's Real Dirt. Songsparrow.com, S-O-N-G-S-P-A-R-R-O-W.com. Hello, and thank you for staying with us. It's Kendrew's, and you're listening to Kendrew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show. And I'm speaking with guest Kristen Schleider, curator of outdoor gardens and herbaceous collections at the New York Botanical Garden. And Kristen, if you go to nybg.org, you can learn more about the Edible Garden exhibition. And I, I'm hoping see more of the things that you do at the garden. Uh, yeah, it's a really, they've done a wonderful job on the website. They have all sorts of information, um, how-tos, there's recipes, links over to the recipes to use the herbs from the Martha Stewart Herb Garden and just some inspirational pictures. Very nice. Well, there's a show going on in the conservatory called Tropical Fruits, Roots, and Shoots, a great name. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. Um, there are over 280 tropical plants Yo. and fruit-bearing trees. I know. Friends. I thought chocolate vanilla. That's how far I got, too. <laughs> Well, they've got, they do have chocolate. There are cloves and coffee, papaya, dragon fruit. And one of the plants that struck me as most interesting is bitter melon, mm. which um, I don't know if you've ever tasted it, but it's got quite a, quite a packs a punch. It's very bitter. But the flowers yeah. smell like heaven. I didn't know that. I've seen the fruits split open and they're quite beautiful if you leave them on the plant but i haven't seen the, i haven't smelled the flowers they're they are sweeter than sweet and just a lovely butter yellow color it's worth growing as an ornamental if you never ate it mm -hmm. um there are what else is in there the, and dragon fruit oh that's is, a cactus isn't it it is and they're in big fat bud and i just can't wait to oh. open i know it's gonna be so beautiful um there are just she's got i don't know how many different sorts of tomatoes in there tens and tens, probably, you know, 30 different varieties of tomato in there, and they're all in fruit and so beautiful. 
um, many unusual peppers. Uh, it really would be a great place to go sort of shopping for what you want uh, to do in your vegetable garden well, next year. Well, speaking of shopping, I guess you should mention the, the, that you have a farmer's market. We do. On Wednesdays and Saturdays here at the garden, there's a wonderful green market, uh, local produce and baked goods and even some very delicious meat. Um, and on Saturdays, there's delicious goat cheese and I think uh, fresh eggs as well. It's just really gorgeous, fresh vegetables. And there's, I mean, you hardly have to cook it at all when it's as fresh as that. Just a little olive oil and a little garlic and you're off to the Oh, rain. you're making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to hear a little bit more about the things that you do at the garden. And I know the seasonal walk has been transformed this year with... Uh, a new planting in the borders by Dutch garden designer Pete Udoff, who is the star of the moment everywhere. And I also want to know about the herbaceous beds that you're the, I guess you're the curator of those too, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, yes. If it's, if it's herbaceous here and it's not the rock garden or the native plant garden, it's pretty much mine. Um, That's so it, much work. It, <laughs> I, it is I know you so much help. work. And, and you know, it always seems like there's more and more, but it's great because it means I'm never bored and the days go by quickly. So. Well, well, that's wonderful. But yeah. in, in July, what are the kinds of things you might be doing in the herbaceous collections? Well, in the perennial garden right now, we are um, working to make sure that the annuals are really rolling because they help so much to get you through that sort of late July, early August kind of doldrum period. Mm -hmm. The beautiful things like Rebecca Maxima and Procosmia lucifer uh, are coming to the, to the end of, of their reign, and the, the fall bloomers haven't quite picked up yet. Um, so we've got a wonderful collection of dahlias mixed through both the perennial garden and into seasonal walk as well. Especially what, do you know Marie Schnug? No. It was a new one to me. It's... Um, very narrow, six very narrow petals forming a star in just the most Ooh. pure, beautiful, clear red. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, and, and, and the ladies' border, which is our garden where we sort of try to push the hardiness envelope and see what maybe we can sneak by with here. Um, we're trying Alstromarias this year to see if we can get them through. The Euphorbia faded jeans, and <laughs> yeah, it's a wonderful plant, um, and some of the hardy glads as well to see what'll make it through for us. That's uh, really exciting. And that faded jeans must have something blue in it. It's just the whole foliage is is blue as can be. It's baby blue, and it's um, a lot of very uh, small, strappy leaves. On many stems, it forms a wonderful ground cover, and it's just, it's the greatest texture in a garden. Well, a lot of people who have their own perennial borders or beds feel frustrated because their beds and borders don't look perfect every moment. And yeah. you mentioned the fact that you have annuals in there, and I'm sure you're deadheading things and cutting things back, but I think people don't realize how much of the garden moves, you know, how much change there is physical oh. change of things coming out, really being removed, and some things that you've grown elsewhere maybe being plugged in. Absolutely. Every week, things are going in and coming out. And I know it is, it's frustrating when I go home and look at my garden after <laughs> having been here, but I just keep trying to tell myself that there is a staff here, and 
you know, and there's just only one of me on the weekends at home. And, you know, you can't get too frustrated. How big is your garden at home? I have um, a little under a third of an acre, and it's pretty much mostly garden and house. There's a little bit of lawn left for the kids to run around in, but I'm afraid I've stolen most of it. <laughs> well, that's, uh, I think that's completely understandable. <laughs> you can't help yourself, really, can yeah, you? You can't, especially when you have access to propagation material, and you've got that. You, yeah. you know, if you see a wonderful new plant, chances are you know how to get it. Well, and you need to try it because if you're going to be telling people about it, if you haven't grown it yourself, you don't necessarily fully understand it. So I think it's really important to try everything that comes out at least once. You know, it's funny that you've only been there four months, so you really don't know what some of, maybe you do know, what some of the incredible successes and surprises were because we, here in, in the northwest corner of New Jersey, we went, we went down to minus 15 degrees. Mm. And you really learn what some of the things, especially surprising, some of the things that are supposed to be hardy to like 10 degrees and right. just came through perfectly. Right. That's the wonderful surprise. I think there were more surprises of things that lived than things that died. Well, this last winter, I, I live in Connecticut, and we had snow cover for the whole winter. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, we don't, you know, that's very unusual Very for us. unusual. And things like my acanthus that usually kind of like throws out a leaf or two and limps along is gorgeous this year. Acanthus mollus? Yes, acanthus mollus. Couldn't be happier with itself. Um, and it uh, has to be the snow cover. It's the only... I'm jealous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been growing Acanthus hungaricus. Do you know that? I do, but I have never grown it. Oh, it's perfect. Is it? Nothing touches it. it, and even in some shade, it stands up straight. The flower spikes stand up straight. It's not the same, but it's not that spiny little leathery thing either. It's kind of in between the two. It doesn't have the giant leaves of Acanthus mollus, which... Uh, do you get flowers on your Acanthus mollus, or are you going to find out? No, I haven't gotten flowers. I'm just thrilled to bits with the big, beautiful leaves this year. Well, you've got to get that Hungaricus. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I will. I will definitely get it. So, uh, you've told me about the edible gardens, and the, that sounds so wonderful, and the perennial... There's no way to describe the perennial garden enough to let people know how fantastic it is. And if you like to grow perennials and if you want to learn more about perennial beds and perennial borders, a trip to NYBG is really worth it. It's a place to learn. It's a place to see the things that are going to grow in this area. But this, your area is sort of zone six-ish in a way, don't you think? Or I, I mean, NYBG? I think it's pushing seven pretty solidly. There are a lot of things that I can't grow at home where I'm... I'm a solid six starting to push seven because I'm right on the coast mm -hmm. that do really well here, like uh, Nacella tenuissima is hardy here. Um, and I'm thinking like that, that Euphorbia faded genes, we've got a really good shot at it. A lot of the zone seven things come through, um, Edgeworthia, Stachyurus, Choisia, those all. Oh, you're making a list of all the things I want to grow. <laughs> well, they're living here, so they ought to do it for you. <laughs> no, not, not where I am. Because no. we, well, for seven years we didn't go below zero, and then we went 15 below. So 15 right. below will really knock them out, especially if you don't have the snow cover. But if you do, the ground may not even freeze. It's right. been such a delight to speak with you today, Kristen. Thank and you, you as well. I'm going to try to get up to NYBG and see some of these things you've been talking about. Maybe I'll come for the mid-September extravaganzas. They sound wonderful. And that would be wonderful. I hope we can speak again soon. Thank you very much, Ken. Thank you so much. Yeah, bye-bye. Wow. Well, all those things at the New York Botanical Garden sounded 
fantastic. And I know that since edibles are what's on everyone's mind, especially in July, but also these days of these days of the locavores, people wanting to buy food that's grown locally and grow your own food, there's lots to see at the New York Botanical Garden during their edible garden exhibitions. With their herb garden, the Martha Stewart Herb Garden, the Culinary Garden, a home gardening center with the Good Food Garden, Seed Savers Heirloom Vegetable Garden, the Heirloom Tomatoes, everyone's interested in that, the Beginner's Vegetable Garden. Now, that's something that we all should go see, I think, if you're in the area or if you're traveling to the New York City area. Vegetables for Kids. And there's a farmer's market. I didn't know that. Every Wednesday and Saturday, the farmer's market. Well, we talked a little bit, just a little bit, about the herbaceous collections. And Kristen Slider, who was my guest, is the curator of the outdoor gardens and herbaceous collections. And we talked for a moment about the seasonal walk. And traditionally, that's been devoted to new tropical tender perennials, uh, the future stars of the outdoor summer garden. And this year, the borders have been designed by the Dutch garden designer and expert Pete Udoff, who is the star of the moment. And it has spring bulbs, hardy herbaceous perennials, and tender perennials all mixed together. And that's worth seeing too. Well, you've been listening to another edition of Ken Drew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show. And join me next week and check out kendrews.com, please, K-E-N-D-R-U-S-E, And we'll have, I'm sure, another exciting show next week. Bye for now.